Uh, yeah. I just keep steady on the magic. Do my thing, I'm healing, it's fantastic. If I fall, rise automatic. You ain't no now, you know. Only one rain myself like a tree from the roots. West side girl, cause she lit in the coast. East side girl, when she speaks to the roots. Stay 100, cause she on with the truth. Been there on struggle, know that it passed. Only going up, yeah, the pain don't last. Ooh, take off. Ooh, take off. Ooh, take off. This is take off, take off, take off. Shorty like Brandy, fight like Monica. What you know about her? Baby girl raising, way to the top. Shaking the world, don't expect her to stop. Hope so great, she get what she got. Follow her stack, cause she following God. What you need more, got a heart full of gold. Even at times when it's raining and cold. Ooh, she about to take off. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Uprooted Network. It's your girl, Hannah, a.k.a. Ruta. And today is Black Women Wednesday. Um, y'all, I have the one, the only, Dr. Tamika with me. Um, those of you who have been in the community may have had the pleasure of speaking to her, but if not, I am so excited to have her on today. Welcome, Dr. T. Thank you. Thank you. It's so great to see you, like, for real, for real. I know, like, in, uh, <laughs> you can see my face. I know we're not on um, Clubhouse with our little beautiful PTRs. Um, I know, I know. This virtual world that we live in. But yes, y'all, uh, Dr. T, I got introduced to you, obviously, through Clubhouse. Um, I just so happened to see Therapy Thursdays. I said, ooh, what's this? <laughs> so I went in there, and you were spitting gems. Um, it was such a beautiful place and, and space that you guys had created. And so I had asked um, a while back if people remember um, Aiden to come on and to highlight the work that you guys were doing. Um, and I've definitely got a lot of questions uh, after that in terms of boundaries and yeah. um, how yeah. how do you cope so well and this, that, and the third. I said, man, having a psych degree is, is pretty helpful. <laughs> like, It'll get you some places, you know? Yeah, it will. Um, and you, uh, I feel like sometimes we speak in the same language. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, you better tell them. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's right, you better know, Dr. T. But even sometimes, right, like we need um, just that person. Even if we know the stuff, we need that person to bounce off um, and, sure. and and to help check us. And, and that's what I really feel like therapy is. And um, it's very rare <laughs> that we find people in this field that actually understand us, mm -hmm. um, that have the cultural competency to to speak to us and to actually give us therapy. Um, so I'm always happy when I see someone in this field that does this and, and does it so beautifully. So I'm I'm honored. I'm excited um, to have you on because this is going to be a tough month for me. And I was like, I need the real ones around who, who know how to <laughs> know how to do this right. work. So um, I'm excited, but for people who don't know you, can you talk a little bit about kind of how you, like, who are you? Who's Dr. T? How did she get into therapy? Woman, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just a girl, you know, that's how I like to introduce <laughs> myself. I'm just a girl who strongly believes that wellness and wholeness have to come together you know when you mm -hmm. just tell somebody hey how are you doing i'm all right i'm doing well okay but what does that actually mean mm 
And so yes. through a series of unfortunate events <laughs> in my personal life, I ended up going from being a classroom teacher to a school counselor um, mm -hmm. and started working with students with addictions, right? Um, mm -hmm. And now in a place to where I am literally looking at what is the culture and climate of your campus? What, what are you doing on um, an administrator's level to kind of help all kids feel included? And then just mm -hmm. on the side, I'm also working with just humans. I have realized that um, when I taught second grade and then when I oh. dealt with high school kids and then dealt with their parents, it's all the same. It's a second grader's issue in an adult with a mustache, right? Right. There's this belongingness and connectedness. And, you know, when I was going through a lot of my personal storms, I started realizing that. I wasn't alone in what I was going through, but in the moment mm -hmm. I felt so isolated from the world. But there's a community of people who want to support you, be there to support you. And I just had this natural knack for kind of helping people through some of those abstract things in life. You know, we all know mm -hmm. when you're gas, you just low, put gas in the car. But what about yep. your emotional gas? How do you manage that, right? So I went back to school to try, try to figure out what that looks like. So with Blue to New Guidance, I'm able to help people um, just navigate some of these hurdles and these obstacles. Um, I have a blog, www.bluetonew.org, where... Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good time. But really what happened <laughs> is I was broken in marriage. And mm. I want to retell my story over and over again. So I created a blog to where I can say, hey, how's marriage? I can just send them this website, you can read it, and then we can have an informed conversation if you have questions after that. <laughs> but kind of just embarrassed about what happened in my life. And then I allowed myself to just become very vulnerable with my And mm. I was very surprised at how many people resonated with my story. Again, one of those situations where I thought I was alone and realized that there's a world of people who are experiencing the exact same things and just needed a person to say, hey, this happened to me. And then they can say, hey, this happened yeah. to me too. I don't have to be embarrassed with you. So yeah. I kind of just um, allowed the saying, something borrowed, something blue, um, something old, something new. And I was just wondering in my head, what do I do with my wedding dress, my wedding ring, my wedding pictures, and I have no man to show for it. And I'm embarrassed and humiliated. This happened to me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go from something blue to something new and allow myself to repurpose um, what's going on in life. And if I can help somebody manage the stresses in their life, whether it's related to marriage or motherhood or being a student or paying off debt or just those insecurities of, I'm 35 years old and I still haven't discovered what my purpose is. Can you help me? You know, and maybe this platform can help normalize the human experience. So that way we can all come together and find some solutions. So that's no, Dr. I mean, T. <laughs> I love that. And that's a lot. I think people just skipped a whole lot of gems. So I like to break it down for them. Go for um, it. First and foremost, say the name of the blog one more time. Something blue to something new. Something so it's, uh, blue website. to something. Yeah, www.bluetonew.org. Okay. okay, I'm about to put that in the in the caption right now. Blue to new. Okay, like blue yeah. to new. That is that. I love a good name. There I you really go. Love there you go. <laughs> it's blue to new. Two is the number. The number two. Got it. Yeah. Blue to new. I'm telling you, I'm. I love that because 
I was just saying that to you um, before we got on, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm as uncomfortable as I am. Is that, did I spell it right? I put it on the screen. Yeah. Um, as uncomfortable dot org. Yeah. Ooh, let me let me fix that. I don't want them going <laughs> to the wrong place. Um, it's it's really difficult, right? I get a lot of people, and you know, Ted has <laughs> she was like, you're like the vulnerability champ, um, and I'm like, maybe I make it look really easy, <laughs> like I I think I do, but people don't often see the pain and like literally me pulling myself up. To like get to a place where I can even share with you guys what I went through. Um, Because I got to like, I've always had this like, well, let me figure it out first and then I'll share. Right. Um, And this month is a testament to not doing that. Right. Because I was like, I keep kind of sharing the aftermath of things. And um, I know it's somewhat helpful to people, but the types of questions I usually get back are like the details, right? Like, mm-hmm. what does that feel like? Like they, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're really trying to connect. And um, and I was like, all right, this month is Domestic um, Violence Awareness Month yeah. for people who know um, I've lost two family members. I'm sure there's more, but two family members that were really close to me. And I was like, how do I honor them? And how do I like turn that experience into something better for somebody else, right? And I think that was a common theme of what you were sharing. And like people that tend to be in this work are trying to save people from like things that we've already experienced or that we know how to get through. Um, And we just have that healing heart of like, yo, all this, pain and misery that I didn't have to suffer, look, it better be for something. (laughs) I'm always telling myself, it better be for something. There has to be something that comes out of this. And I don't know if that's like my mental trick of how I always Mm -hmm. get through things, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's worked so far. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to just keep riding it till the wheels fall off and um, speaking about it and, and, talking like you know just talk that's what the beauty of talk therapy is but actually being able to name your pain For and sure. and to not have to be ashamed of it or hide from it uh-huh. is is therapeutic in and of itself like so i wanted to do that and i wanted to do it with you because i knew you'd understand this um yeah. this this work and this topic um and I'm just like, wow, she did a lot of stuff. Like to get here, I'm like, <laughs> it, it, is, it don't come easy. It really no, doesn't. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think um, something for me, so usually when I come up with themes or whatever, I'm like, what do I want people to learn from it? What do I want them to gain from it? And so, you know, trigger warning to everyone that we are gonna talk about some things that are hard to listen to and to hear, but, domestic violence is so pervasive like it is so prevalent it really should be a public health issue yeah um where we're actually putting funding around it and and i feel like there's a lot of effort on the back end right and it's a problem i see in this country there's always like let's treat the symptoms of things instead of like what is the root cause of this like why is this happening and like, why don't we try preventing it? And yeah. so that's really my intention and hope with doing um, 
like this episode, but also the series this month on Clubhouse and like breaking it down further is like, we gotta really understand this problem and like why it happens and how it happens and um, what are some things that we can understand about it so we can prevent it because God forbid, like one day I'm gonna bring kids into this world, you know, and you are a mom. So it's like, we think of these things of like, we've either seen it, been through it, know somebody who's been through it. It, it affects everyone because the numbers are staggering. One in four women, right? And those are the same statistics for sexual assault. One in four. That is a scary number. Yeah. Like that is that is not like we do. There's certain cancers that get more funding and they kill one in a hundred. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might be like something ridiculous. And that's one in four women, one in nine men. Um, yeah. And I want to highlight too, because sometimes this is painted as a woman's issue. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably why it doesn't get funding because women's issues don't get funding in this mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it does happen to men too. It just looks differently. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask first and foremost, how do you understand or define domestic violence? I really broaden it because a lot of times when we talk about domestic violence, we hone in on the word violence, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we started to say that violence is this heinous act. It's this physical form of abuse. But yes. domestic violence can also be a lot more subtle. And which is why I say that one in four, I think that's a very flawed statistic because mm-hmm. that's what's reported. But let's talk about manipulation. Let's talk mm-hmm. about economic suffering. Let's talk about, you know, the stalking that happens. Um, let's talk about the extreme control that a lot of people go through. And mm-hmm. how do I call the police and say, hey, um, my partner is keeping me from, I don't know, eating three decent meals a day because I yeah. haven't done these things on a checklist of what they require in a relationship. Or, <laughs> you know, and sometimes we look at it as partner to partner. But mm-hmm. even if you're in a situation where your child is suffering some of these things, yeah. you know, the bonus parent that mistreats this kid because it wasn't mm-hmm. the one that they birthed to, that's also domestic mm-hmm. violence. Okay. Oh, yeah. This unnecessary punishment that's happening over here, and it doesn't mm-hmm. happen over here. And even if it does happen over here, it's, it's still violence, you know? So yeah. I like to look at it as when there is an extreme version of mistreatment going on within this family unit, I consider that domestic violence. And when you feel uncomfortable and there's that, um, the way we define it in schools with bullying, you know, whenever there is this authority and this intimidation, that's okay. Whether or not it is cyber or physical or, you know, whatever the method is, there is an authority and there is an intimidation factor. And when it comes to domestic violence, that's kind of how I look at it. There is an authority and there is an intimidation factor that's happening within this family unit. Yes. And that's a really good um, like overall definition, because I do think that we hyper focus on the stereotype of a boyfriend, girlfriend fighting. Um, We ignore the fact that not all relationships are even um, heteronormative. Right. Like there's. There's all different types of relationships. So I, I even think about it in um, if you are a gay couple, 
who who are you stereotypically gonna assign as the exactly. abuser? Right. Exactly. So you like it is broad, right? Like in taking it out of the gender is really helpful because it's not just an intimate like partner, like romantic partnership. Mm -hmm. It's partnership of any domestic sort. Like you are in close proximity with these people. They have access to you and they have yeah. the ability to um, to punish you in some way. For right. Sure. And and it's not always physical. Right. So I like that you bring up bullying and cyberbullying because a lot of it is mental and emotional too and and i think that people always underestimate it because it's the part you can't see mm -hmm. like there is not a physical bruise that you can easily show someone right, right. like right we are we already have issues in this country addressing mental health right so mm -hmm. explaining to somebody the things that are happening in your head and you don't even have the language and it's hard to express or like show like how do you wh where is your receipts right like yeah. you yeah. don't have them and and we're in such a culture of um litigation that everyone wants proof and by the time you have proof it's usually too late mm -hmm. and and that's mm -hmm. what people really don't get and so i i love that you bring those things up because it's not always physical and i think in most cases it doesn't start off physical oh no it doesn't um, it doesn't no, for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, just think about it. If I were to be in a situation where somebody who, let's say they're cool, we're good, just hauls off, gets in an argument with me because we're trying to figure out whether or not we want apple pie or pumpkin pie, right? Mm -hmm. And this person hits me. Let me tell you, we both going to jail that night. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to just hit me and get away with it. So this mm -hmm. grooming that happens to where, mm -hmm. you know, at some point I feel bad, but then I feel safe. And then I feel bad and then I feel safe. And then it gets mm -hmm. to a physical place. By the time it gets to that physical place, I'm kind of afraid of you. Because yeah. of some other things that may have taken place. So yep. of course, if somebody were just to assault me right out, I'm pulling out my phone, we might get it on TMZ, the cameras are gonna be involved to where I have physical evidence that this is what's happening. But in a mm -hmm. place where I'm already intimidated to talk about it, it's because some psychological things have happened already. There's oh, yeah. been some abuse and some other forms that took place. It happens a lot, like on college campuses. Like people are automatically going to think, um, you know, romantic relationships, but these college roommates. <sighs> yes, I've yes, had a doozy oh, of a couple of romantic involvement at all, but it's cattiness, and there's mm -hmm. that intimidation factor. And you'd be surprised how many people feel forced to remain in certain organizations and friendships because of the domestic violence that's happening within that uh, for that organism. Yeah, I was an RA for a for a year, mm. um, and some of the incidents that we would have to like approach and handle, insane, insane. Um, yeah. I've had, you know, sorority sisters that have been in, in these relationships, the abuser and the victim, okay? Like, cause women can also be abusive. Let me tell for you. Sure. For sure. Um, and I don't think people talk about that. I'm like, yeah. I think they almost downplay when a woman is physically abusive. Cause they're like, well, you're, you know, you're a man, you should just handle it. Like, right. Oh yeah. But you can only take so much, you know, of people constantly berating you and and we already know that men don't have enough like safe spaces especially black men so when you are mentally and emotionally abusing him and he already doesn't have a safe space to go to 
you really think he's gonna tell his homie like my girl she's really like he's not gonna do that yeah, yeah. he's not and think and about what the repercussions are if he does respond right so mm -hmm. society plays into that as well we have these movies these blockbuster hits where the woman gears up and, and, and gullies up and she gets back at this man. But imagine if that same script were written the opposite way, where you have exactly. this psycho woman and then he just goes and chokes her and he's the hero at the end of the story. Probably not, right? So no. in cases where a man is experiencing this type of domestic dispute, he's also in handcuffs psychologically because if yeah. I physically remove myself by physically doing something to you in this situation, I will automatically be deemed as the victim, as the uh, culprit. I'm the criminal mm -hmm. because I fought back. So exactly. I'm already in a lose-lose situation because I'm, I am in a situation where, yo, you a man, you let that woman do that to you. But if I stop her from doing this to me, oh, you're abusive, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, ha, huh, I wish that and this goes, you know, across the board when it comes to interpersonal relationships. Um, we've got to figure out a way to be proactive and not reactive. Yeah. And if we teach people the skills and the tools that's needed for resolving inner turmoil, mm -hmm. then the thing that we need to resolve internal us doesn't explode and become external us. Ooh. Most times when you're in these kinds of dispute, the person who has in, inflicted harm on the other person is tormented on the inside. Every They're time. tormented on the inside. Because trust me, if he were or she were to meet her physical match or her psychological match, oh, you're going to respond differently. But me coming home <laughs> from the work day with all of these stresses, I'm going to take out on the people who can't defend themselves because I've been put in a situation where I feel like I can't defend myself. And I haven't been given these proper tools. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. while I definitely agree and believe that in these disputes, there needs to be some um, consequences, you know, some legal consequences. I also believe that while incarcerated or, you know, while in your mental health visit, there needs to be somebody that, that talks to you about the root of what's mm -hmm. going on with you else after your sentence is served, you're back at it and probably with a vengeance, you yeah. know? And if you're the victim in this situation, that cycle of attracting these types of people and relationships continues because there's something psychologically that happens um, when you are in these types of relationships that feels like my value is coming from my ability to fix you. Mm-hmm. And when you realize you can't fix this person and this person goes away, you end up in another fixing type situation, you know, and that yeah. that issue may show up differently. It, it may come off as, you know, it, it, you can't be everybody's nurse, basically, you know. And so okay. that's uh, that's an issue that sometimes I feel like people don't really recognize is that the, the victim and the abuser need some help. They, all need they really do. They really do. Um, and I, I want to even circle back a little bit. Um, oh, and someone asked the question, why are abusers so nice at the start? Um, so that that's what I wanted to jump into. So that's perfect is is yeah. cycles. Right. So domestic oh, yeah. violence happens in cycles. And 
you had already mentioned earlier the concept of grooming, and I don't think that everyone is familiar with what that means, right? So um, jumping back there, when we're thinking about even how you explained it, I had a, a human learning class and he literally broke down like with human learning like t mm -hmm. uh, tools, how you create those like psycho exes, right? And mm -hmm. how you create these toxic relationships. And so what you were explaining is like considered a gambler schedule. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So you guys who have addiction, there's correlations here, right? Um, you start off like normal roses and butterflies and you know all the beautiful like honeymoon whatever to get yeah. you right and then you have what they'll do is test a boundary yeah right they'll do something small that you're like okay that wasn't too big of a deal um and you might mm -hmm. let that go and then they'll maybe give it a bit of time and then they'll try something else and they'll yeah. they'll just keep pushing those boundaries to see what it is that they can get away with mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so it continues on this cycle and then you don't know when you're going to be on an upward swing or a downward swing mm -hmm. and then at this point you're you're being groomed but yeah. you're not even aware unless you know the signs you're not even aware that this grooming process is happening right so um yeah. Did I miss some steps that you want to add to that? No, not at all. There's a whole study, um, the Milgram experiment. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes a little bit, it's, it expands a little bit because what this, this man, uh, Stanley Milgram was um, Jewish and he was trying to figure out how did the Holocaust even happen? <laughs> because in a normal world, you're not going to say, Hey, we're going to exonerate this whole entire mm -hmm. ethnicity. And this is how we're going to do it. Okay, mm -hmm. so how did you even get people on board with this system? Okay, so there's he did this experiment where you know people are in this room, and after a certain um, you, you've got to shock the people that are in the other room. So imagine you know, I'm in here in a control oh, yeah. room, and there's some people inside of a, a darker room or what, another room, and your job is when they get things wrong to turn on this knob that sends an electric shock to them. Okay, mm -hmm. so at first it was hard for the control group to do, to shock these people because it's like they're guilty conscious, like, oh, it's hurting them. But then yeah. the idea of, but I'm being told to do this, mm -hmm. okay? And the reason why I'm doing this is because the person got a wrong answer. Like if they want to avoid being shocked, then they need to be right. Mm -hmm. And even though at first they felt guilty about that grooming happened because of that intimidation factor. And there's something yeah. that happens with us psychologically that we automatically connect to being affirmed by our appraiser, mm -hmm. which is why we'll do things, sometimes even unethical things for the person who rates us more so yeah. than establishing that loyalty on a person that's on a brother sister level. OK, mm -hmm. so if my shady boss asked me to do it, I might do it because this might, you know what I mean? Psychologically, we're taught to be obedient to our authority. And when your authority is corrupt mm -hmm. and they show you these deals and they make you feel comfortable and all of that. But at the end of the day, with the Milgram experiment, the whole point was to exonerate an ethnicity. So the person that walks into it, they probably have a plan. But yeah. there's also some parts of that person that generally 
um, and when I say the person, I'm talking about the victim, there are some things that this other, this abuser may have rescued them from. I'm just thinking about the number of people who are right. in a better financial situation in yes. these relationships. Um, you came from, even the victim sometimes, came from an abusive family. Mm -hmm. So while this is my norm, a lot of us live our lives in comparison to other things. It's not as bad as what I've, I've experienced. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go back to homelessness. Um, this person has valued me. I know that I can't get a better person than her, than him you know, mm -hmm. um, because of whatever economic status that person is in or position of power that person is in or prestige that comes with being associated with this name, you know, mm -hmm. um, some of that kind of stuff. A, a, a lot of that goes into it. So abusers, you know, if anybody were to walk around with a sign that says, hey, I'm here to destroy you, <laughs> we would run, <laughs> right? So it's, it's natural yeah. for an abusive person to not like we got to realize this because this is like the one of the biggest misconceptions that abusive relationships start off abuse no they start off as any other relationship yeah they start off as any other relationship there's something we have in common we both like bowling you know something we're very much into black lives matter you yeah. know you love women with locks so now i'm just i'm locked in right mm -hmm. and it's over time that i realize that this is not healthy but sometimes the uh, the victim is starting to think, well, that's just one thing. He just gets mad when this happens. Yeah. She just gets upset when this happens. So let me, I'll change in order to make it better. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you are also remembering those sweet stages. And instead of recognizing these red flags, you're, you're looking at those red flags as moments and not character flaws. That part. Yeah. It, it's so easy to to justify um like smaller things right like yeah. it because we don't want to believe that most times like that we're being abused or that this person is mm -hmm. capable of that so a lot of the times i feel like our brains will protect us by trying to find some justification even if that justification is like well i shouldn't have made them angry or mm -hmm. i shouldn't have done it this and and you start blaming yourself too and that's what they want you to do, because that's the part of the cycle. Um, and that gaslighting and, happens. It wasn't that bad. I, okay, you know what I mean? You start really believing sometimes. Yeah. I merited this. The, and constantly. I made the decision. I, mm -hmm. I put myself here, and you start to blame yourself for all of these things. Um, yeah. We had another question. It says, are abusers mentally ill like narcissists? I think anybody who feels like it's, I won't say okay, because I can't say all abusers think it's okay, but mm -hmm. I think that the illness comes in the fact that you don't exercise your power to cope differently, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you think that when you put your hands on someone or when you manipulate someone or you, you know, intimidate someone, that that is going to regain homostasis in your life. To me, that's mm -hmm. mentally ill. It is mentally ill for me to believe that the only way or the best way or even the easiest way for me to get my way is to make it difficult for somebody else. Like, that's not cool. Um, yeah. Some of them do have DSM-5 type category issues. You know, oh, so, yeah. some of this stuff is, you know, classic narcissism. Some of this 
is, you know, a, a more severe disorder where a medication might be necessary. You know, sometimes it's it shows up as anger, but it, what it is is clinical depression, you know, and okay. I get a high, like there's a euphoria of seeing a place in my life where I have control because I'm spiraling out of control when I close my eyes right before I go to sleep. I'm spiraling out of control every time I walk into the workplace. I feel like the bottom of the totem pole in some other areas. And then there are some people who have what I like to call entitlement issues. You feel for some reason Mm. like everything has to revolve around you and you get so angry. And that's where that narcissism comes in. You know, you get so angry and bothered when you don't get life the way you want it. And it's like, yo. It, it doesn't work like that. So yeah, there, there can definitely be, um, you know, a, abusers can definitely fall into the category of having some clinical dysfunctions and malfunctions. Absolutely. I, I mean, honestly, I don't think a sane person does that, right? Like when, when you are healthy and whole, there is no need for you to control other people because right. it's enough work to control yourself. Like, can I just get places on time? You know, can I have a good hair day five days a week? You know, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can I make sure go. I ate all my meals? Did right. I exercise this week? Right. Oh dang, I got laundry. Right. Did I remember the shower today? Like you gotta like real. There is so many things that we already have to do as human beings, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of the time at least when you were talking about it, what I kept thinking about is the people who externalize their problems instead of wanting to focus internally, it's just easier to deal with other people's lives and control that and you know externalize all their issues because they don't mm-hmm. wanna deal with inside. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and it, it's on every scale, right? Like yeah. this is not just for abusers, it's even people who are not abusive, right? have this same problem of externalizing everything and Mm -hmm. and feeling this like this need to be in control um and to be in charge and be the leader and we have an overconfidence um problem in this country and it it, it's usually on faulty foundations like it's right like you're not actually confident you're just pretending to be and when those cracks start to show that turns mm-hmm. you into a person that we don't want to be around. Like, I, I have had to avoid plenty of those, yeah, <laughs> like plenty sure. of those. And I will say too, um, a lot of times, you know, abusers are attracted to people they feel they can manipulate, right? Or that are easy targets to them, or you just have such a bright light over there and they have a fake one, you know? And so, let me come over here and 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 combine with that and it it is threatening to them yeah right it yeah. is threatening to them because you're the real deal while they're faking it yeah and yeah. so their control over you makes them feel better about themselves oh yeah yeah and sometimes there is this unspoken hierarchy this person is walking around with and in their mm-hmm. head they're justified in their actions right mm-hmm. it happens a lot of times with um you know, the parent-child relationship. Well, since mm-hmm. I am the person in authority, when you don't comply, this can be and gets to be the remedy for that, you know? Oh, and yeah. then parents don't realize, actually, that's abusive. You, you it is. telling your kid, okay, you're not gonna eat this week. <laughs> you know, okay, 
seriously yeah. you know what i mean like that that's a form of so but in their head they don't see it that way they see it as this is a natural consequence because you are my subordinate so mm -hmm. sometimes and, and and in that situation you know the child sometimes doesn't get an opportunity to have an advocate because who am i going to tell i'm going to get in trouble if i tell my teacher Mm -hmm. So then my teacher's going to call CPS and CPS is going to come to the house and then I'm going to get abused some more. So that's mm -hmm. another spiral and cycle that happens in the lives of people who are also in these domestic violence type situations. They're afraid of the repercussions of happening. Of, they know that they want out. But yeah. if I even try to get out, that may wake the sleeping dragon and mm -hmm. worse things can happen as a result of my planned escape. You know what I mean? So yeah. sometimes people are also staying out of fear. They're quiet out of fear. Um, it's not always oblivion. Sometimes it literally is legit fear because I don't know how angry he or she will become if mm -hmm. they find out that I want out. Absolutely. Tell, you know. And and fear is debilitating. For like, sure. It, it is very debilitating and there's, a lot of us who who avoid the hell out of things that scare us, right? Like on a on a basic level. So yeah. when there's an actual threat, because I've learned a long time ago this acronym for fear, which is false expectations appearing real. Yeah. And when you've actually had those expectations come to life and come to and come to fruition. That's like it's it. I it almost feels like it's not even a fear anymore. It's a guarantee that that's mm -hmm. going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at that point, the only person you can control is yourself. Yeah. And so you're doing whatever you can to stay out of that, like because yeah. you're you're you are avoiding that pain in any way that you mm -hmm. can. And it's not um, it's not easy. Like you touched on some other things of well, what is your escape plan, right? If you're a child and these are your caregivers, it's not like you are in a position where you can take care of yourself, right? Like, right. right. and that, that relationship is so hard because the people who are supposed to love you and to, and to raise you up and to bring you up are the ones abusing you. And mm -hmm. so who do you, who do you turn to? Who, where do you run to? It's not like you're not 18, you ain't getting a credit card. You can't, right. you know, you can't do most things without a legal guardian. Yeah. So that that is like literally feeling like entrapment mm -hmm. and then you have um for a long time women who have been raised to to be submissive to a man yeah you know um yeah. that their that their livelihood is dependent on a man it makes it very hard for them to turn around and yeah. and walk away because where are they walking away to because right. something else that abusers do is isolate you right in those situations um they isolate you from your support system your yeah. friends and your family yeah. so what are you gonna do like you you've been gaslit you've been on this cycle with them um you've been telling people oh it's not so bad and oh da, da, da. you know you've been making all these excuses and so you have a lot of guilt and shame mm -hmm. around how do i come now to these people that i've been pushing away and tell them that i need help right yeah. like most of us are scared to ask for help for basic things, like very basic things, let alone yeah. like, I need an escape plan to leave my abuser. Like that it's, it's not an easy conversation for anyone right. to have. Right, right.
right? Which is why I definitely agree that the funding needs to happen. You know what I mean? And those proactive mm -hmm. measures need to happen because, um, you know, <clears throat> nobody's expecting, we, we, we don't go to work every day assuming that we're going to have a tire blowout, but the spare is there. And so mm -hmm. it's, you know, AAA and your insurance, it carries that in there. So mm -hmm. some holes, you know, within these clauses, you know, we're able to, like, we know that there is this place to go in these situations and this is who you, we can call and you know what I mean? But to look at my phone and have to look up the hotline and, you know, said person has control over my phone and I'm locked in the mm -hmm. house all day, you know what I mean? It's very difficult. So, you know, that's why I always tell people the most important thing that I have in my life is my support system, you know, yes. and anybody who comes in and out of my life, these are the people that you have to deal with. It's not just me and you, it's mm -hmm. me and us. You know what I mean? And you can be a part of this collective, you know, so I would encourage everybody out there, you know, as soon as you feel those isolation tendencies happening, you know, mm -hmm. that's the time when you get out, you know, because yeah. you, you are going to need your support system. And quite frankly, you know, who wants to celebrate your even your triumphs alone? You know what I mean? Yeah. So when things are great, you know, let's say you're having a great, you know, relationship or partnership or whatever. Well, your support system is also going to be there to cheer you on. So when you feel like you're being isolated from the people that you care about and love, you know, that in and of itself is, is a red flag that I, I wish a lot more people would recognize and, yeah. um, and, and, and articulate like, hey, I need to go home and visit my people. Um, I need a girl's day out. I need a boy's night out. You know, can we have some friends over? You know what I mean? That So that there's this constant understanding that you are a part of a village, but I'm yeah. not going to remove myself from my village for the likes of you. That part, yeah. that part. There were a few comments about um, most abusers were abused themselves. And yeah, we touched that on that in the beginning, right? There's yeah. that whole, the, the whole statement of hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Like you learn this behavior somewhere. Yeah. You don't just innately come out of life ready to abuse people, right? Like it's, right, right. it's something that is learned. And so that was something that Dr. T talked about earlier too, is that usually the abuser needs resources too um, to figure right. out why they're this way to begin with or why they're acting this way. Mm -hmm. And um, there's something else that I, I feel like is really heavy and preventative that we could be doing. And I think it's surrounded um, or it, it's more so how do we change the culture within our communities so that we are having regular conversation, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. are we teaching our children and each other what is normal behavior, what is acceptable and what is abusive? Because I mm -hmm. don't think um, people really understand the difference. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times people are like, well, calm down, I'm just joking, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, that yeah, might yeah. that might be a funny joke um, to you because you're not understanding the context. You're not understanding where that comes from. Mm -hmm. You don't understand how your your joking makes other people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and it, it brings shame and embarrassment to people. So if yeah. they're already having issues, it's gonna put them even like further in the closet. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna come for help. Sure. And I feel like something in our community um, 
and I, I say our as in like the black community is this idea of hiding relationships a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, especially, oh, if you're African and you're an immigrant, you don't bring your, your significant partner home. You don't do that. Really? We, no, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. What? Let me plug this charger in. Yeah, Dr. T, you thought, we, you thought I was bringing my boyfriend over? No, no. Um, yeah. No, listen, we are taught very young. Um, you go to school, you get a job, and then magically you get married and have kids. Yeah. Date, dating is not yeah. a conversation. Yeah. Dating is not a conversation um, in our ethnic group. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. I haven't I haven't met an East African that has had otherwise, right? There might be those one-off families. Yeah. Um, but by and large, we are not bringing our let alone our significant other. It's hard enough bringing our friends over. Like if you are not of the community, most mm-hmm. parents are very strict in terms of we didn't have sleepovers growing up. It was your cousins um and your that's it. If there if we don't know their parents. We don't know mm-hmm. where they're from. This, that, and mm-hmm. the third. You are not sleeping over, so yeah. you can imagine that we're not having the birds and the bees conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not having that conversation. If we're not talking about dating, then we are not setting us up for success because we don't know what's normal and what's not yeah. in dating. Yeah. So we're basing our understanding off of TV or. Um, you know, whatever examples are around us. And then if your examples are also abusive, yeah. then you think it's normal. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So who, yeah. who are you going to talk to? Oh, yeah, because you, you're living in this hierarchical system. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and sometimes very patriarchal at that. So that's mm-hmm. why it's so disproportionately um, in, in favor of men being the abusers to women, you know, because that's kind of how that society sets up. I know we said this a lot of times in Therapy Thursday that um, your experiences as an East African resemble a lot of people's experiences in the Black church. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's this idea that, okay, this is how you avoid abuse. Do it God's way. You go to college, you get mm-hmm. married, you abstain from everything sexually, and then you get there. And then you don't withhold from your husband. Yeah. Right? Because that's just in violation of the covenant that you made. And yes. talk about it, pray about it, you know, but you know, don't let the don't let the world in on what's going on with you. That's between mm-hmm. you and God and between you and your husband. And you know, if but then you end up in these abusive situations and mm-hmm. all you have in the back of your head is submit yourself to God and sanctify your husband, honor your husband, honor, you know what I mean? And it's like, hey, y'all, I'm being hurt over here. And I don't know, I don't know if you just want me to pray about this, but I need out, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, but he doesn't do this at church. He's not abusive to y'all. You know what I mean? Like he's in a pulpit actually, you know? So the world is singing his praises and I'm coming home living a much different life. And who am I going to tell that to? Because he's a celebrity in the yeah. church. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. That's why I say that intimidation factor, because then I come off as the woman with the scarlet letter. If I yeah. expose what's happened. And a lot of times I've seen this go on so much, so much, so much. But then I get this wonderful gift for our, the pastor's anniversary. You know what I mean? All these yeah. things that might be happening. So, yeah, you are absolutely right. Um, 
sometimes culture plays into it. And while in America, we're very individualistic, there are certain communities that are very collective, right? Very. From what I understand of, um, you know, your Ethiopian culture, there is a lot of that collectiveness that goes on to where it's like, hey, don't disrupt the system. And sometimes if the system is toxic, it just, Eh, how do I deal with that? So yeah. you, it, it's it's a lot. That's why I say it's not just the victim that needs the help, but also the abuser, because sometimes people are away because they think that's the appropriate way to be. Now, I'm not going to mm-hmm. go as far to say when you put your hands on someone, you thought you were appropriate. But again, a lot of these things happen before a physical manifestation of the abuse. And you oh, felt yeah. like it was OK because, hey, listen, the Bible says a man that doesn't work doesn't eat. So if you're living in my house and you're not doing what I said, do, then you don't deserve food today. You know what I mean? And they will justify and, it. And justify. I mean, we'll find a reason to justify this level of abuse and this kitten programming that's happening, right? And then what have I done? I've raised another child who then reenacts his childhood, her childhood and their relationships because Mm -hmm. they heard these same fables, right? It is the misinterpretation of of sound doctrine that's happening. You know, it's the misunderstanding of love and support in a hierarchy. We can submit to each other, Okay, so even with me being submissive, okay, all that means is that I'm not in it for myself, I'm in it for Mm -hmm. us, but it doesn't mean that I've given up myself. Yeah, and so when a person walks into any situation with that understanding, I'm bringing all of me, I'm asking you to bring all of you, and we're going to figure out how we can merge these two and be a better system together. But what I'm not going to do is lose me, yeah, I'm not going to lose me. You're not. Absolutely not. And that, and that's my biggest thing um, is this, this uh, in this cycle, there is like an overwhelming like loss of self and yeah. like feeling disconnected and, yeah. and feeling so broken and not knowing how to reach out for help. And it's, a, it's such an isolating feeling. Right. Yes. And that is why this is so pervasive and why it continues. And those examples um, are also just they're so ingrained mm-hmm. right they're so ingrained and ethiopia as a whole right taking it back there this year i feel like i've been in a domestic violent uh, relationship with ethiopia right we're going yeah, through a sure. genocide um yeah. and even identifying that way right like i i usually am really quick to be like i'm to grind like i'm like i'm like so like i'm distancing myself from that because mm-hmm. it's such an abusive um, time, right? But then I yeah. thought about it, and and if we wanted to relate it to this, it didn't just start with this genocidal war, right? For yeah. the last three years, we've had passive aggressive things happening, right? Policies that have been enacted, um, trade routes that got closed, right? Like, you know, turning on electricity, and that's been a constant thing in Ethiopia mm-hmm. forever, right? Yeah. Uh, and even the history of Ethiopia is built off colonization, not mm-hmm. by outsiders, but within. Within, right? wow, yeah. So yeah. that is literally domestic abuse, right? Like that is literally one tribe abusing another if we're looking mm-hmm. at it on a, a, a macro level. And it's just, if you think about it in that essence, right? 
we have generations of this type of behavior taught to us, right? And, and we also have silencing taught to us and we have hierarchy taught to us because what do you do in a wartime? You listen to your elders, right? Like you, there is a chain of command. Yeah. That chain of command didn't go away when the war went away. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that continued and that's pervasive in our cultures and it's very toxic. And yeah. we are, we are, when I say hierarchy, we age, okay? You are a year older than me. You are my elder. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I swear to God, we are. I. That's where I get my ageism from. Yeah, I, I yeah, promise yeah. you. I'm like, uh-uh. That's your elder. That's your big cousin. You gotta listen. Yeah. And it. Wow. I think in smaller examples, it doesn't seem like a problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's your older cousin. That's that's who's in charge, right? But when when you're when context is missing. Right when it's like, oh, here's your boundary, though. They're mm-hmm. in charge, but they don't get to do X, Y, and Z to you. Right, right. That's that's where the problem happens, and because we don't have those discussions, and we don't boundaries is like a foreign word. It might, it really is. Like, mm-hmm. what is a boundary? Who taught mm-hmm. us that? Mm-hmm. Nobody, because your parents didn't have boundaries, they didn't have personal boundaries. They definitely didn't have them with you. Yeah, you're their child. Yeah. You might as well be their property, right? Yeah. And it's not even that they're doing it in an intentional way. It's just something that has been so ingrained in our mm-hmm. culture, and that your family unit and your family name is important. So you don't bring shame onto mm-hmm. your family, mm-hmm. right? So that's another part that is collective across all marginalized communities. Yeah. That I feel oh, yeah. like there's this sense of like, well, don't you go embarrassing me. I'm like, so your actions and things that happen to you always somehow affected everyone else. Yeah. So for a long time, we just, we, uh, not even a long time. I, I'm probably one of the few people who just talk openly and publicly about these yeah. things because it's just, people are dying. Like when, when is enough enough? People yeah. are li- literally dying. This isn't like, oh, he just beat you up. No, people are dying. Like. And it's just ridiculous because it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to at all. And yeah. we should have healthier relationships. And we're also a very religious group mm-hmm. of people, right? Um, and something that I noticed that's always missing from these conversations is wh- how does the healthy relationship get built? You only talk about the end results to everything. You don't talk about the work. You don't talk about the details. You yeah. don't, you just meet somebody and get married? Like that doesn't even make sense. What are the things that you're looking for in partnership? Yeah, for like, sure. Like sure. how do we define that? And I feel like yeah. that's where the um the brunt of the work really needs to go is re- like let's change this culture and let's stop normalizing bad behavior. Yeah. Right? Because those are the things that escalate and turn into horrible actions later on. Yeah. You know what, I think you brought up an amazing point about, you know, what is it that you're looking for, right? I think that a lot of um, people, when they're talking about a relationship, they, number one, don't know what it is they're actually looking for. And and when they do get what they're looking for, along with a whole bunch of stuff, I'm plugging in my computer, along with some other stuff that they don't want. They start to, like you say, negotiate and justify, okay, well, you know, nobody's perfect, all that kind of stuff. So I know now in in my, you know, at 39, 
here's mm-hmm. some things that I'm bringing to the table. Okay, so here's yeah. all of my story. Here are my children. Here's my career. Here are my inadequacies. Here are my perfections. Here are the things that I know that I should <laughs> in. I need some help in this area. You know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And because I want to protect what I built, there are some non-negotiables that I have as it relates to a character, right? Yeah. I can honestly say the person that I want and the person that I am um, are much more closer aligned now than it was mm-hmm. when I was 22. That part. So at 22, all I wanted was somebody with wavy hair who sings, plays the piano, has pretty eyes. <laughs> and when you get that, and this person is extremely condescending, I didn't know at the moment that that was a trigger or an issue for me. I'm just yeah. gonna say, oh, no, I'm gonna fight back. Or I get to a place to where it's like, I'm tired of fighting, I'm gonna just let you have your way, right? Yeah. A lot of people are in that situation. But so I think the first thing is, who are you? Right. Because when you know who you are, you don't want to lose that person. And I need to be matched and paired with a person who is compatible. Right. So when we walk in with the mindset that this person completes me because he or she makes this much money and these are my bills or this person looks like a great father and these are my kids or this person, you know, has this prestige and this is my background. No, no, no. I don't need anybody to put anything in this puzzle piece. This puzzle came completely filled. All I need is a frame. That's it. This relationship frame what I have to offer. Yeah. And that person needs to think the same thing. Can this person frame what I, I came complete? And I want yes. to protect what I've built. And I know that certain kinds of treatment, certain types of manipulation, um, certain mannerisms and characters, some behavior, some attitude issues, those things don't cover me. Mm-hmm. the way I need to be covered. And I'm going to let you do you, but you won't do you over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that a lot part. of it comes from what are you bringing to the table and what are you willing to, you know, partner with someone as opposed to someone wanting to complete you. So I really think that a lot of, like you said earlier, is a, a lot of, of the abusers, they see people as prey. Mm-hmm. And when that person walks into a situation wanting a provider and a protector and not a partner, yeah, then it's easy to end up in that prey situation as opposed to a mutualistic, healthy, compatible relationship. Oh yeah, I call that daddy issues for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I call it. I've been calling that since high school. Yeah. Um, I'm just like daddy issues. You looking for your daddy and you, you mm-hmm. end up, you know, mm-hmm. he might show you a couple of those things, maybe the things that you wished your dad did that he didn't, yeah. whatever yeah. it is that, you know, is fulfilling yeah. that void for you. Um, just, you know, to come find out old shit that comes with a lot of other stuff too, that yeah. I did not bargain for. Like sure. I, d- I was not asking for all the other stuff. So mm-hmm. it is. And, and I, yeah, I echo those sentiments. That's why I've been saying that. Um, and I've been trying to tell people like fix you before you try to join with somebody else. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right. We can avoid a lot of those issues and it, it doesn't just have to come with age. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Like yeah. I, yeah, you can you can study some stuff, right? Like I'm 29 and I've been learning these lessons for the last 10 years, right? Yeah. And it's just, I think I have the opposite problem where I'm I know myself really well now, mm-hmm. and I've and I've done the work a lot sooner than most of my counterparts. Yeah, and so they're confused, right? Um, but 
part of that is because of this, because yeah. I've ex I've experienced such horrific things and I have seen so many people that I love yeah. in these really abusive situations, right? Um, and I and I have tried to protect myself in every way that I know mm -hmm. that I can, right? And I look for those warning signs and I look for, ooh, you got a temper, hold on. Mm -hmm. Like, we gonna have to talk about that. What's mm -hmm. your anger management routine? You right, know, right, right. like what, what's right. going on there? What support are you getting or not getting? Let's yeah. talk about that. Cause you know what? You could just go ahead and be my friend. <laughs> Cause I'm not, we're not going to play this game. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and I've, and I've dealt with the narcissist before. Um, and thankfully I had a tribe, right? I had a tribe that checked them and that was checking all along the way. Like, what's up with bro? I'm like, I don't know. And it wasn't even, we didn't even fully get into a relationship because of that. Right. Yeah. Like there, yeah. there was, there was always kind of that checks and balance, but for sure. It is when you don't have all of that and when you don't know to look for those things, yeah. it's very easy to fall into this for cycle. Sure. And, and that's what I want to avoid. Yeah. Um, for yeah. every person ends up becoming your world. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so I, I, that's why I say my support system is vital because if one person evades my life, I'm not alone. Yeah. And sometimes in these situations, this person, <clears throat> you feel that way, you know, like you brought up the child situation. Okay. Who mm -hmm. am I without my parents though? You know? And so yeah. I don't, I don't want other parents because that means I'm going to have other siblings and other grandparents and I'm going to be, yeah. a you know what I mean? So it's like all of these other things start falling apart because of this system that's broken. And a lot of times people feel that way. It's all the other stuff that I'll lose. Mm -hmm. in the process that I'm not trying to start all over and you know all and, and I'm just going to try to I'm just going to try to be better so I can fix it you know yeah you you're not going to fix anyone you know I just really want to hone in on that point you cannot fix a person I can hear you but mm -hmm. I can't heal you okay yeah. and at the end of the day a person has to desire change for themselves before they will and mm -hmm. there's not an apology in the world that will secure you if this is their habit. They need that help part. outside of you. That part. It is, and it's not your, job. not your job. It's not your responsibility. You didn't enter these relationships with that obligation. That was never your job. Yeah. And I think when we when we stop doing this Cinderella, like these fairy tale um storytelling yeah. to to people and to kids and you know grooming them for these like oh it's happily ever after uh, not really not all the time right <laughs> like it's not always that so yeah i i definitely yeah. hear that and i i'm like mm. like i said and i'm gonna say this again i'm doing this series and this talk to help somebody either get out of the situation right or avoid can we prevent can, can we talk about this? Can we can we stop normalizing some behavior so that y'all stop putting yourself, and it's not even putting yourself, actually, let me take that back, so I'm not gonna victim blame. Stop finding yourself in these situations, um, or at least know early enough to walk away before it's at a point where you can't, or you feel like you can't. Yeah. Um, Cause it, it's really, really difficult. It is, um, I think when I was in college, the statistic was it takes a, a victim at least seven tries before they fully leave, mm -hmm. right? 
I don't know if that number has changed. Um, I hope it's gotten lower, but seven times, that's a, that's a lot of trying, you know, most people give up after the first try. Yeah. So I just really commend people. I also, that's why I put the the hotline number again, um, because it is difficult. And when I think about my cousin, when I think about my aunt, um, for one, I didn't, I had no idea she even had a boyfriend, Mm. right? I knew she was like going out and whatever and maybe having some fun, but like an actual boyfriend um, that she was consistently seeing, no idea. And whatever issues we were having in the communication barriers for us at home, um, it was, I could tell she obviously didn't feel comfortable telling us about it for whatever reason, right? whether it was the culture of, oh, you know, you're not allowed to date and, you know, that that plays a role into it. Because I always see the younger siblings, the younger cousins. The big reason why I even have this platform is because my younger cousins were the ones that pushed me. They mm-hmm. were like, other people don't have a cousin like you that they can go talk to, that mm-hmm. they can come to me and tell me when they're depressed or they're sad mm-hmm. or when this thing happens. Not everyone has that, right? So that's the biggest reason why I do this in the first place. But it is, maybe had she told us, something could have changed. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want that maybe to haunt somebody else. Yeah, for sure. You know, because it it haunted me for a long time. Of could could I have done something differently? Mm. You know, was there something that I could have said? And it was like, no, I had no idea. I had no idea that that's what she was doing, right? Yeah. Or that she was dealing with. And to find out when the police knock on your door, that's not something I wish on anybody. I don't want you to get a knock on your door that your loved one passed. So the other thing that you can do is be informed and be ready to ca- to catch that person when they're ready to walk away. Yeah. Um, the other The other thing with that statistic is you know, people who work in this space will tell you, you can't force somebody to leave. Yeah. yeah. You can't. You can wish and pray, um, but you can't force it because if they haven't let go of the mental and psychological stuff, they'll end up right back there, right. which is the case right. most of the time. They might have left and they, they had a plan, they had a backpack and they left and then they came back, right? Um, in my cousin's situation, she actually did leave. I don't know what she went back for. Mm. I still to this day don't know. Mm-hmm. But her bags were at a different house. Wow. So I just want y'all to really understand that. That it's it's not easy on the other side of this. You don't want to yeah. wait till a person has passed. If you have a friend that you know is going through this and you don't know which adult to talk to, there's a hotline for a reason, you know? And you yeah. can try to get her some resources, but it, it really is difficult. But the more people that she has or he has in their corner, it makes it easier for them to leave. For sure, for sure. You know? Um, and, th- and that's really what I want to drive home for folks. Because, you know, those are things that I haven't really even talked about in a long time. But if it'll save you, I want it to. 
Yeah. So don't hide, try really hard not to hide your relationships from the beginning. You don't gotta go through every detail. You don't gotta say yeah. every text message that you got, but you don't want your family to be completely caught off guard or your right. friends to be completely caught off guard that you had this secret relationship that didn't nobody know about. Cause we can't help what we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and then as an ally and as that family and support system, you got to learn to be less judgmental. Like you got to really learn how to just listen. Yeah. I don't think that's a skill that a lot of people have. Like, yeah. you know, they go belligerent and they go crazy and they're, and when you, when you do all that and when you start reacting out of yourself, you take away space from that victim yeah. who yeah. already had to work up the courage to come talk to you in the first place. So I, it's a two-parter, right? <laughs> We're asking for we're asking for a couple things, but if if it means that your loved one doesn't pass away, I think it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. If if it means you don't end up in this situation, I think it's worth it. It's worth it to have the conversation. It's worth it to to share with your family and friends and your you know whatever young people um, in your life that are looking up to you because we really can't continue this way. Right. We just can't. Right. Um, and I get scared because, you know, our people, um, the Tigrayans right now, are going through a genocide. Mm -hmm. And you know what the rhetoric is? Oh, we got to repopulate. Everybody needs to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, marry within your kind. And y'all got to have kids and y'all whatever. And, you know, a lot of us are trauma bonding right now. Yeah, yeah. You might accidentally bond to the wrong person, you know? And on top of that, we the trauma that we're dealing with, if it doesn't go treated, if you guys don't go ask for help, you will find yourself in these toxic relationships. Yeah. yeah. You might find yourself becoming an abuser when you never were an abusive person before. Just because you have no outlet, mm -hmm. you know? And you end up taking it out on your loved ones that yeah. are around you. Yeah, you're going through all and these other things, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just want us to be aware and to have that in our in our minds and to think about what does it look like to take care of me and to make sure that I'm healthy and whole despite everything. Because the worst the for me, I got triggered last month um within a with someone who thought it would be cute to harass me mm -hmm. because they were drunk. Um and I saw red because this is my trigger. Violence against women is a trigger. Yeah. Obviously, you didn't know that I lost my cousin and my aunt to this, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't take too kindly to any type of aggression. Yeah. I really, I just don't. I will see red and I will fight back. And it's taken me a long time to like get those muscles under control. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Ooh, child, you're not gonna bring me out of character right now." Like, mm -hmm. I have to really think of. I don't want to be the hurt person that hurts people, so I had to find other healthy coping mechanisms to deal with that, and to talk to my friends and be able to say the things I want to say without judgment. And yeah. I needed those spaces, but it all started with the fact that I started doing that work on myself because yeah. I don't want to bring that into my relationships, especially don't want to make my future partner pay for things that he never did. So mm -hmm. I hope that that's helpful to everybody. Um, 
because you know this is a it's a heavy topic and there's yeah. a lot to understand so i want to say um thank you <laughs> for doing this with me no we are we are at the out we're over the hour and um this is the part of the show that i like to ask my favorite question because you do this work and i know that your heart's in it and you're clearly great at it so <laughs> we want to see you succeed in whatever it is that you're that you're working on so my last question to all my guests is what is it that you want your legacy to be oh my god okay that's a great question um mm -hmm. <clears throat> when i think of my legacy i honestly think of my kids and and this this future generation if there's anything that i would want someone to say when i go on is that dr t was able to make the best out of everything, right? Mm. Nothing is the end all be all. Like what, <laughs> what was meant for evil can become good. And so mm. don't dwell in the worst parts of your life, but how can I roll with these punches and make a story? If I have to make a blog that puts my business out there, but that blog ends up becoming a platform where I can speak to other people who are also going through similar situations, well, then allow that pain to fuel your purpose. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times we try to discover our purpose through what pleases us. So what's my hobby? What am I good at? Yo, what I know more than anything is I don't want certain people to go through what I went through. My pain can fuel this purpose. So mm -hmm. I would want my legacy is for this future generation, especially this technology generation, this social media generation. Love oh, yeah. yourself. Know yourself and discover what's great about yourself and allow those things, regardless of what you go through, to make you better and the space around you better. We are called to connect. So make sure that your mm -hmm. connections are healthy and that the energy that you're receiving and outputting is good. Ah, yes. I love that. I love that and I love that for you. Um, I. I don't know that I need to speak that into you because I feel like you're already on that track. So I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna affirm and validate. Um, cause you I mean, that's how you came to us, right? You you saw a need. Um, Ted has reached out and you didn't hesitate. You were like, there's people who need help and who are suffering, and this is a skill that I have, and I can do that. I can pour into this community. And we are extremely thankful for it. I know people keep bringing it up. They're like, when y'all starting that again? Because they are like, <laughs> they are like, what? I was like, I'm not even on a team and I hear it like all the time. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yes. Oh. And, and Ted has always been like, you know, Dr. T got kids. She got things like, you know, all of That's these hilarious. things. So I just want to put that in your ear, you know, that um, that you are helping and you are making a difference and people that I wouldn't even think right where being affected are so wow, wow that's it's, it's a and it's a beautiful gift that you have and you share right and i think that that's why you're able to continue um because i'm i'm also a silver linings kind of person yeah so i appreciate the people who are like that it's not easy being glass half full over network, here network. Like, yeah yeah <laughs> there's a there's a lot of glass half empty out, out here so I appreciate that so much. Um, so yes, thank you so much, Dr. T. I and I'm so excited to just continue doing this work because I just can feel that it's gonna change it for people. Um, and that's my my legacy, and that's what I hope um, will be the legacy I create for the the ones that I've lost. Is if I can honor you 
through this by saving somebody else and this yeah. is where I get emotional, um, then I'm gonna do that, you yeah. know, cause theirs yeah. got cut short. So yeah, for sure. I'm gonna carry that. I'm gonna carry that light for them. So yeah. ooh, that is Black Women Wednesdays. Um, Y'all, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, please make sure that you are joining us Thursday evenings. We're gonna be on Clubhouse, um, 5 p.m. PST, 8 p.m. EST. And we're gonna continue this conversation because there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot to learn and go through. Um, so I hope you guys will all join us on Clubhouse tomorrow, but that is our segment for today. So I appreciate you guys. Um, if you didn't already, go follow, like, share, subscribe, all of those good things. If this is helpful, leave it in the comments. Um, show Dr. T some love and make sure you go check out her blog. I, I'm nosy, so I want to go check it out, too. I ain't even go married. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even married, and I want to go check it out. Um, I didn't even know this existed, so I'm like, what the heck? Where have I been? Um, uh, you know, and that just makes me want to put my blog out even sooner. I but, love it. Do it. Oh, I know. I know. Do it. You know, I got a lot of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of feelings and thoughts, and they go into my journals, but my journals are usually not seen by people. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we will see how that goes. But um, yes, thank you so much, everybody. It's Black Woman Wednesday. I will see y'all in Clubhouse tomorrow. Peace out, y'all. Bye.